0: Uh,
2: in no. California or here? No, but I, I have to tell you that I was so impressed with the mental health specialist. They said, because when you get hired on the police department here in Chandler, they send you to a psychiatrist.
1: Psychologist to, for testing our, at MMPI. Uh, yeah, yep.
2: psychologist to uh, get tested. And uh, so <clears throat> then they give you an interview afterwards. And so I, I went in for my interview and he goes, okay, uh, so... Uh, you do realize that police work is, is hazardous and, and <laughs> um, you know, bad things could happen. And I look at him and I go like, you, you read my background sheet. You realize I've been a police officer for 30 years already. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I go, so He had uh, his
1: canned interview is what he
2: had. Yeah, and he goes, so you, you think you could handle those calls? He goes, well, you know, you may be required to, you know, get involved and use a firearm at some point. Did you read my background? <laughs> and it's just that they—he had no clue of no. what was going on. Mm-mm. So um, I was highly impressed in, in in that setting. And
1: knowing you like I do, I'm surprised you pass the MMPI.
2: <laughs> well. They have cheat sheets, you know?
1: <laughs> I was gonna Take it enough and you'll pass
2: it. <laughs> take it four or five times. It's sure. easier.
1: And again, they're good people. I don't want anybody to think that I am bashing licensed mental health. I'm telling them if they want to, and if police departments were smart, what they would do is they would require anybody who wants to be on their EAP list, they would require them to go through firearms training. They would require them to do ride-alongs. At least, you know, I I was talking to a licensed counselor in another state and she wanted to work with law enforcement. And I said, okay, here's my best advice to you. Get out and do a ride along. Always do it at night. Try to make sure you get in with a male and sit in that front seat and keep your mouth shut. I said, they will start in the dark. You know, in the daytime, y'all can be distracted and see things and look at stuff. And I said, but in the dark, having somebody in that other seat and nobody saying anything, can be very awkward and they'll start talking to you about the goldfish their parents flushed when they were two and the hamsters that died and then they start riding you around and going oh yeah over here yeah that's the first dead baby i had or the first uh, really bad wreck and kids were killed and and by the end of that 10 hour shift you have emptied their garbage can completely and they've learned one of two things they've either learned they can trust you and talk to you and they'll tell everybody Or they're gonna figure out, I probably don't need to recommend her to anybody. And I said, that will be the best resource right there if you do it right. But if you get in there and do things like, you know, I said, please, mental health, if you're gonna work with law enforcement, please, especially in Arizona, I don't know if everybody's codes are the same everywhere, but at least in Arizona, please know the codes 998 and 999. When an officer sits with a licensed person and says, I was in a nine, nine, eight last week and the counselor goes, I don't know what that is. Shame on you. You should know. And if you don't, then you're telling them you don't specialize in them and you don't care.
0: And I think that's what was the, the point with that is that you don't, if the, you're going to somebody that's probably dealing with people that sit in a cubicle or something like that, and their problems sure. are probably paper cuts versus the nonsense that police officers get. To see every day. And I think that that's one of the things that for, for all of us is difficult because Dennis in the, in the years, if he talked about a lot of the things that he's seen or done, you know, that's going to be traumatic for whoever's listening. Yes. And, and that's the hard part of that and and getting into people like that and getting them to open up and talk about those things is hard to do, especially as a police officer, you're not going to talk about those things to people that don't understand that. Sure. And so I think that's the most important thing. Like you said, that if in order for me as a police officer to trust someone, which we don't do that very often is to know is for somebody to come with some kind of information or to come with some kind of experience. Mm -hmm. And I think with you, that's probably the thing that's, um, the most striking to me because you did come from a family that, well, your husband, your ex-husband mm-hmm. and you're divorced. So there's that. And that's 90 some, per, well, in this room, it's a hundred percent of us at some point. <laughs> so,
1: And some of you more than once, Right. at least I'm the smart one. I only did it once. Yeah. <laughs> And Dennis's wife and I talked about this at breakfast yesterday. Mm-hmm. Oh, that explains why you're single, Susan. Yeah, I'm perfectly happy. We're good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think the further you get away from it, the more that you realize that you're where you should be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think that's all to say that you you have the experience. You've mm-hmm. been through a lot of those things. You understand. But what I see with you is that you have, it seems to me from my experiences with you, is that you you want to save lives. Mm-hmm. And you have a, a genuine heart for police officers and mm-hmm. for law enforcement um, and second responders <laughs> or firemen. I
1: was gonna say
0: go ahead and say it those yeah.
1: draggers. We love them and we do have contracts with they them. They do, but
0: you know, it, it goes even further than that because we've always included that. And that was one thing I think that Dennis and I talked about in the very beginning when we were doing this, that we needed to include everyone in the police department yes. because we have our dispatchers. Mm-hmm. We have our forensic units that go out and take pictures and, and deal with even the worst of it because they have to spend an enormous amount of time in situations that they don't want to or shouldn't have to.
1: And I wasn't used to civilians doing that job. In Alabama, it those were sworn people who went into it, those areas. It there like, oh.
0: used to be, but that's what they've done now to kind of you know help the officers be able to be doing that regular job, I guess, or whatever more. So we've gotten away from that too. But the other thing that I noticed in learning this too, is that we also have people that have to go through and read all of our reports. Yes. And I had a time when I was um, trying to get some training. It wasn't training. It was really a a stress thing. I think it was even before you had come along, uh, is that I found that one of the girls that had to read all the reports had Mm -hmm. to read everything that horrible that had happened to some kids and she had just had some kids. Yep. And I asked her if she wanted to go to that, and she was like, I I really would love to go to that because she was you know get in trouble. So there, it's not just the police officers. Mm-hmm. It's everybody in there. And I think that was what was important to Dennis and I was that we included everyone. And I think that's been beneficial too because you've seen a lot of people from civilians, sure. entry level, all the way up to our command staff has, um, I know, spent some time or talked to you or sure. maybe even talked to you but not <coughs> in the formal setting in right. here. To where they've actually, you know, we've had meetings and I've, I've watched you, you know, work things with people and they don't even know you're doing it. So, you know, <laughs> that's you, the
1: fun part of this. That's the <laughs> little,
0: some of your little Jedi tricks that you do when we, when we get in there. But you know, the thing that's been most, for me, the most difficult part for me is that why it has been such a, a challenge and such a yes. fight yes, to get you, to get administration, to understand your value. And that's the, 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 uh, the thing where I've, always struggle because sometimes I feel like our administration, their only goal in life is to fire people Mm -hmm. and get rid of them, not to help them and get them back to work. And, you know, we've got lots of examples of that. And I always use Chris Farrar as a perfect example of that because he went through some of the darkest days and um, he was demoted. He was put in a mental institution. Mm -hmm. Uh, He went through an enormous amount of stuff, but he um, is was a survivor, but he came back better
1: Absolutely. than
0: he went into that because mm-hmm. he was a huge advocate and he was the shining example that everybody looked at in the patrol. And yep. if there was something going on, I could count on a call from Chris, no matter when it was a text or something saying, Hey, this is going on. I noticed this, we need to do that. And I always did it because if Chris mm-hmm. was saying it, noticing it, it was, it was important. And that's the thing that, um, and he's one of the only one example mm-hmm. and probably cause we can talk about him because he's no longer with us, but that's a perfect example because there's a lot of that that's happened with people at work, but we can't talk about it because they're still there. And sure. if somebody found out or knew about it, you know, that would send up a red flag and then everybody'd be like, okay, when's he going to.
2: But fly? I think you just gave the answer to why the administration doesn't like them, like Susan. She is there to save our people. She is there to help our people. And the administration can't control her. That's the key. They can't control her. She she doesn't report to them. She doesn't tell them what's going on. All she's trying to do is save and help our people.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and that's a, it, it. And a lot of this stuff might be coming and saying something a little bit derogatory about the way they're doing something. And that's sure. what we've seen. Yeah. In our in our department, is that she's contrary to what they say and what they've always known and what they were taught. But that's not always the right way of doing things, and it's not a one size fits all. No, either. And that's the thing. If it, it, to me, it's like you know, you say the the every time I write out the check, if I save one life every year for you, I know that that was a check well spent. But I know it's more than that because the one thing that um, you and I conversation at the very beginning, I told you is so if I ever find out. About you telling, even me about somebody that came and visited you, I will fire you. Cause yes. that's that's the one thing that the biggest selling point, I think, for me when I'm talking to people to come see you is that go see her. Mm-hmm. She's, you're, nobody's gonna know. And you won't even um, have to worry about saying anything. You can unload on her completely and trust her because I do. And I think that's, and that's been true. It's what's funny too is that there's a lot of people that have, have come in here and they'll say, Hey, I saw Susan the other day. And they
1: run around the department. I had one of y'all's, and I couldn't even tell you who it was. See, this is what's safe. I have dementia. So I don't remember you after you walk out the door, if I run into you at the mall and call you, "hun," I ain't got a clue who you are. Um, But they used to make me pull my car out of the garage to hide their car in my garage. And I was like, really? I live in this little neighborhood with this cold. You think somebody's running survey Okay, whatever. But it only took two times of coming here to do that. And then he was running around the department Mm -hmm. telling everybody he was coming here and they need to come here. So much of how we get people, especially when their unions aren't hiring us, Phoenix, every officer who comes in here is a referral from another Phoenix officer. Mm-hmm. And that's the interesting part to me that they like to come here because there's no, it's all anonymous and no documentation, all that stuff. And then they're the ones running around telling everybody.
0: Well, that's just it. And that's what we see with it is that, you know, I'd say like even, uh, I don't get to your house very often, but when I have to come over here, like I'll Sometimes I'll drop our payment off to you every yes. year and I call you, is there no anybody there? Because <laughs> I just don't wanna know that and that's how important that is. Well, you've never told me who you see, right. but I have
2: guys coming to me mm-hmm. even now. I had one come to me uh, last month and say, yeah, me and my wife went to Susan Yeah, we're doing so much better and, and I'm going, okay. <laughs> That's really nice. Well,
1: and here's the frustrating part for me, because now I'm hearing there's people and, and I, I know where it's coming from. And the license world, some of them don't, they are the ones who try to eliminate it. We never try to eliminate license. Matter of fact, we promote this three-tiered approach, peer support, stress coaches, licensed mental health. The licensed mental health, some of them will come back and go, oh, no, no, we can do what she does. No, uh, We're doing apples and oranges here. But now the latest is, is that I'm anti-administration. Really? I got some sheriffs and chiefs all over this country who will jump up and down and scream, hire her. And am I, I'm anti-stupid. I don't care what rank you are, what level you are. But when an assistant chief will tell a president of a union, I know she's helped people. She's helped friends of mine, but I don't like her. So I don't want her in the building. Yeah. That's, that's not a leader. No. No. That is, you know, I think I dealt with that in the seventh grade when girls were like, oh, she looked at my boyfriend, so don't invite her to your sleepover. Really? You know, I tell somebody, it'd be like somebody going, well, I don't like Susan, but I do want to use her stress coaches. And me going, nope, not going to let you. You don't like me? You don't get to talk to Tom or one of the others. You don't like me? Hey, one less I got to deal with. Here's the stress coaches. Call them.
0: Well, you have to question that administrator's mental stability. You do if they're not willing to help their peers and the people that are working for them, especially at that level, I would question their ability to even be a leader or make a decision. I agree
1: with because you because
0: they're certainly not doing it in the best interest.
1: I agree. Mark anyone. Lamb, the sheriff in Pinell County. There's an administration. I am rah rah Mark. You go. <laughs> Cause he is doing things the right way. He supports his people, all that stuff. He's been on the podcast. Uh, again, I would love to support every administration, but when they don't even talk to me and want to pull this, and again, they're hearing it from city attorneys and stuff. She's not licensed. There is no, I created the stress coach certification. It's trademarked. Nobody can do it but us for first responders and military. I created it. There is no license. There's no such thing. So you're asking me to have something that isn't available. Yeah, I could sit for a, with the masters in counseling for an LPC. I don't want to be an LPC.
0: But the thing is that in, and you've said it in the beginning, the reason they want you to have that is because they need to have leverage with you. Yes. And that's to twist you. It's like the sheriff did. Had you had your license, he uh, would have said, I'm yeah. going to take your license unless you tell me. That's right. And that license is something that would have would have been uh, a, a pretty good
1: yeah, if this is about money, bait absolutely. to have in
0: your monkey trap. You don't know, yes. have to do it. So you would have sure. You might have, you know, let that go, but you don't have that. So that's the thing that I don't think that they like. And I think that's where you find those problems is, is because they can't control you. You know
1: what and, the and- latest thing is? And this really makes me laugh. Um, coming from one department here in the valley, uh, that I charge a lot of money if I don't take your insurance. And on our website, there's just a few insurance companies listed. Yeah, really. Gosh, somebody show me that because non-mandated people can't get licensure. I mean, can't get insurance payments. We're not eligible for it. I knew that when I went into it. Right. But to to deter people from coming because you don't like me. And what's a better way to get a cop not to come in here? Oh, she charges lots of money. You know, what do I charge you people for what I do?
0: it's (laughs) It's pennies. It's absolutely pennies if it gets right down to it, and it really is pennies a month per person. So it's cheap. It's probably the best value that that you can have for that because of how much we pay for some healthcare. <laughs> you, you walk out there with a, in, in there with a heart problem, they take your kidney. So it's like it doesn't <laughs> yeah. even make sense. So. We well, have
1: two of them, so you can get yeah, up you can have another one. Yeah. So Ferrar used to call me and he'd go, "I hadn't had my dollar twenty-one this month. Really, you just got it. Click.
0: Yep." <laughs> Yeah.
1: It's not about money. Yes. I have to pay the bills. And, you know, fortunately the Phoenix officers have all told me they're such loves that, um, you know, if I wind up homeless, they'll find me the safest overpass that I can live under and they'll bring me food and water periodically. And I'm like, God, I'm just too good.
2: You know, they're <laughs> going to have to find that uh, overpass in Gilbert or Chandler. <laughs> they don't have one. in Phoenix.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I've kind of laughed about it. But, you know, it and the thing for me has always been, I, I was telling somebody in here the other day that I was up at police week after Dave Glasser was killed at Phoenix. I went up with the Glasser squad just to be available for him, my dime, but I just wanted to be available for him. And I wound up being asked to be, I, I laugh, this is so stupid to me, but one of the personalities at one of, over at Tent City where they have all the vendors and stuff. And Lieutenant Randy Sutton from Las Vegas uh, Metro and I were their personalities to draw a crowd to their group. And I remember standing there and I heard somebody behind me go, where is Susan Simmons? Deep voice. And one of the girls said, she's right there. And I turned around and this bear of a man, literally I've never seen before, walks up, grabs me, picks me up and is hugging me. And he's crying. And he said, you saved my life. I have no idea who this man is. And he he puts me down, and he goes, I called you late one night. And he said, I'm alive because you answered that phone. And walked away. I have no idea who he was, have no idea where he was, have no idea when he called. And I remember looking at the people standing around and said, that's why I do what I do. There is no paycheck somebody could give me. There's not one big enough. Uh, Donald Trump put all the richest people in the world together, couldn't write me a check big enough for that man, what he'd said.
0: Well, and I think that's the thing that we, you know, why we're here and why we talk about it and why this is so important and why we wanted to talk to you, because you're certainly not getting rich (laughs) doing this, but you have a passion for that. Yes. And it's, um, and I think that's important because it just shows that, you know, what you're, what you really are all about Mm -hmm. and why you do this. And I think that's because there's a need for that. And I think it's rewarding for you. And I think that your paycheck comes from all of those big bear hugs that you get from people and come and saving lives. And certainly not from an administrator that's fighting you or, or something like that, but it's definitely something that's been rewarding. And I think that's probably been the biggest value that as a, as the association president for as long as I have to be able to call you and, and uh, get help no matter what time of day. And it doesn't cost me extra money. I don't have to, you know, Give you my credit card or anything like that, or pay for anything when we when we bring these people in. And I know that you spend an enormous amount of time, and I'm pretty confident that you're probably making 13 cents an hour (laughs) or less. I I will tell you, you you gave me a raise with that. (laughs) Yeah, I probably did.
2: I'll tell you this: of all the things I did as association president, I think me and Tom getting you involved in our associations and the the amount of our people, because I know. the the number of guys. And I don't know all the number, but I know of several guys um, that were in my association that were saved by you. And I think that if if I did nothing else as the president of the police association in my time, I think that's the best thing I did.
1: And somebody said that to me in here the other day talking about you guys. They, they were very grateful that y'all were forward thinking to do this. And the sad part for me is you've got a lot of new ones there who have no idea who I am. And Chris Ferrara was the the mouthpiece there because they'd go to me and he'd go, go to Susan. Mm-hmm. And we've got some that have stepped up now, some, but somebody was just in here uh, last week talking about you guys bringing this program in and how grateful they were for that. And again, there's not a lot of forward thinking going on in this area because people get really impressed by the license or by the phd and see we and here's here's the thing this three-tiered approach we have licensed people we have vetted that when an officer trusts us and we go here's where i need you to go for whatever reason they'll go because i've and the stress coaches have developed that report and if they trust us they're going to trust where we send them and why we're sending them there And that, to me, is what's important versus what we're hearing now is, um, and this is something really, and truly, Tom, you need to get, I guess it would be HR, they need to go over the EAP list of providers, because what we're hearing from everybody in the Valley especially is they're being given that list, and they're going down the list, and everybody they're calling is saying, we no longer provide EAP work. I don't know if COVID has changed some of that. They're also falling off your insurance list because some of them are going now to cash pay because they don't want to have to deal with insurance companies. I get that. And, you know, how many calls is an officer going to make?
0: Yeah, before they're going to find the the and, right place or even or find off. somewhere that's just going to help them. Because they, you get to the point where, too, we don't have that necessarily in, in our city because we they contract with someone to handle that. But you can see where they would get to that point where i'm not going to waste any more time that mm-hmm. obviously i don't care enough to make sure this list is good so or they find somebody and they me. go sure
1: i'll see you in may mm-hmm. you know the end of may really
0: yeah
1: okay <laughs> sure and, or they don't even get calls back i've got some coming that said they've called out reached out to their department's program and for three weeks they've heard nothing right and they start asking and they go go to susan so it's just it, you know it's frustrating for me as a, i sit here and i'm dealing with cops and firefighters and their families all over the country. And if I don't get back to you in 24 hours, either from an email or a text or a phone call, call me back because something has happened. Your stuff didn't come through or something because I'm going to get back to you. It may be a text saying, send me your availability, but you're, if I ever hear a stress coach didn't get back to somebody quickly, that's going to be an issue. But how I can as a one man clearing house for all the stress coaches, I can do it. But groups of multiple counselors in one practice, can't he return somebody's call for three weeks? It, there's nothing more discouraging because how much courage does it take for an officer, first of all, to pick up the phone and make that call? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to call 10, 12 times. Mm. They're going to call once. And if they don't get what they need, they're probably not going to call back. And things are only going to deteriorate from there.
0: I think that many times when that happens, when they get to the point where they've called you, they've probably thought about doing it mm-hmm. or reached out to do it multitude times. And mm-hmm. then, but it gets to the point where when they finally do it, it's critical. Sure. Right, so we've waited to the last minute. We're usually the ones that are giving help, not getting help.
1: That's exactly
0: right. And that's where it takes us a little bit longer to, to reach out and do that because we look at ourselves as being weak mm-hmm. or, um, you know, just not able to do the job or not able to, to even exist. If we if we're asking for help because we're the ones that are always giving it. Sure. So now, what is we've kind of <laughs> gone over where you came from and 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 that and there's been some exciting things that are going on.
1: Absolutely.
0: And where where do you see um, under the shield in in eighteen months from now and five years from
1: now? <laughs> that answer would have been different a few days ago. Um, Well, we're excited about the new contract, and we've actually had them on the podcast. And, you know, this is why I say this isn't rocket science, because if it was, I would have thought of this years and years ago. Um, But when we had an organization out here called the Arizona Municipal Risk Retention Pool, who provides professional liability insurance and workman's comp insurance for 77 of the 91 cities, literally reached out to us and said they had been looking for a program for between two and three years um, for a group to provide resources anonymously to their 3,000 police and fire. They didn't even know we were in Arizona when they called us. And they came and met with us and we put together a pro and in less than two weeks, they had a hundred percent approval by their board to bring us on, to do stress coaching and training in all those agencies. And then the County pool that represents eleven of the fifteen counties out here, including Mark Lamb's county, which we're really excited about. Um, now they have joined in also and contracted with us, and they have equivalents in every state.
0: So, how does that work with them when they're now that you're affiliated with mm-hmm. them? And if an officer wanted to use you that belonged to one of those those groups, how would they reach out to you?
1: They're going to call. We have a specific number that we have just for those two organizations. And here's the deal. We're not going to ask your name. We are going to ask, are you municipal or are you county? Because, and I understand this, they're paying a lot of money for this in in overall numbers when you look at it. Uh, Per person, it's still dirt cheap, but they want data. And so if you're, Tom, let's say you're part of one of those um, police departments and you call, let's say you come in five times, that's five contacts. That could be five individual people. That could be somebody three times, whatever. And they want generalized reasons. And we broke it down very general. Um, It's going to be personal or relationship, which we include addiction in that. And we explain that to them. I don't want addiction singled out because then they're going to be kind of freaked that we're talking drugs and alcohol. That's really not the addiction stuff we're seeing very much. And so it's not something they need to worry about. And then we also have critical incidents, cumulative stress, and sleep. Those are the areas we break it down in.
0: So when they are calling, though, they are mm-hmm. it's still confidential.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Other than the generic entry of city or or however you're delineating that,
1: they don't even want it broken down. The municipal group doesn't even want it different differentiated so, between police and fire.
0: But it's not by agency. Nope. It's just by the group, so that they're just providing it to those seventy. Would you say one city? 70,
1: 77 of 91 cities okay. and 11 counties. We just have to differentiate county. Even the county doesn't want detention versus deputies and dispatch.
0: Right. So what would happen mm-hmm. if somebody that wasn't a part of one of those cities mm-hmm. called that number?
1: Uh, well, it won't be advertised to them. The only way they could get it is if somebody gave it to them. Mm-hmm. And again, we don't have any way of of differentiating because we don't have your phone number. When they call and it's 855 855- Six five five nine seven seven five is the number specific to those groups.
0: You sing that? Do you have that in a jingle yet?
1: <laughs> I'm gonna let you do that, Tom. Yeah. You're the well, one we'll with We'll come voice. up with something. Yeah, <laughs> you can sing it. And um, so that is going to be just for them. And you know their attitude is like yours. It was interesting. We did a teleconference the other day, and the comment was made: if we save one person in our pool, it has been worth the money. And I just don't hear that. I really thought when they called me, you had set me up, Tom. I thought Tom's and Macheney found somebody to call me and talk about anonymous services and, and um, how the licensed people they had worked with developed PTSD from talking to the police and fire. And I'm going, some cops set me up. This is right up Lovejoy's alley. <laughs> and then when they came and met with us, I was like, well, dang, this really is true. And now Border Patrol has been a huge part of Under the Shield, especially the last few years. And now we've got a a pretty big opportunity with them that we have put in a proposal on. Um, My vision now has changed completely in that now I would love to see all the risk managers for the self-insured like Chandler and and Mesa and those um, see the benefit to this as well.
0: So, but... It sounds like things are getting huge.
1: Uh, They are tremendous, and they're getting big. It's keeping me awake at night, right?
0: (laughs) So I can imagine that. But that in six months from now, a year from now, Mm -hmm. somebody from Chandler or whoever's subscribing to you at this point, are they still going to get to have a chance to talk with you, or
1: or one of the other coaches they pick?
0: And I think that's important just because of how big it's getting. I think people still want to know that and that you're still going to be here and be a part of that. Sure. And that they're still going to have an opportunity to do that. Because in the time that we've had you, there's been an extraordinary trust following mm-hmm. or being able for people to say that. So as although it's growing, mm-hmm. it's still going to be um, right here for us just the way it has been. And my stress coaches long.
1: like yourself are going to have to step up a little bit and let other agencies like I would never send a Chandler officer to you, as long as you're working there. Um, I would send a Mesa Phoenix Avondale Goodyear officer to talk to you uh, because I don't want to put the stress coach in that position, first of all. Right. And nor do I want to put the person in that position of. Well, I think it's a good "Eh."
0: thing too, because it goes into that confidentiality that we have, because quite frankly, we don't speak with other agencies as freely as we do our own. So I think that's sure. a good thing to, to keep in mind. And I think that's why it is important. I think that's why we need to do that even in a lot of our critical incident Absolutely. stress management as having outside input on some of those things too. So
1: yeah, they've forgotten the definition of peer, but um, you know, I would honestly love to see y'all go before your risk manager, especially before you retire. Um, Cause again, every presidential change in the union And you know this because we laugh about the newest president of CLIA was the person who was running interference when Dennis was there, and the next president think it telling people we don't need that crap.
0: Yep, now he's your big advocate.
1: (laughs) He's one of my best friends. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and he tells me he was the one who was running interference, and when he got in that office, you said I think you said something to him to the effect of "You're fixing to find out just how valuable Susan is." He did. And, and he said, you know what, I didn't like it, but now I do.
0: He understands it because he, in that role you get to see it, but there's a lot of things that Dennis and I have had people even, you know, talk to us confidentially and we didn't share that and had to pass that on, but sure. I can't tell people about that because yeah. then it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, showing who it was that talked to us or maybe giving that off. And we just never want to do that. So, that's well, why and, that's important. so
1: really, you know, to take this at some point to your risk management person, See, and here's the thing
0: it? about our risk management.
1: See, I don't know. It's out I of the really...
0: attorney's office. Oh,
1: it and is. And it's
0: interesting because you talked about that a little bit earlier. And I always joke with our attorneys that work for the city, mm-hmm. especially in my role as the president, and I always ask them, um, when you get a chance, can you talk to um, your client about how we're going to handle this? And they're like, well, you're our client. I'm like, no, you're not. Because if it came down to it, you're going to be siding with the city and you're not going to be supporting me if Mm -hmm. it came down to something like that. And I think that's why it's so problematic for you because they, even them, they, they don't have the leverage with you. The city attorneys don't. And that's why they would recommend against using someone like that because it's not supporting their client, who their client is actually the city. It's not the officer. It's not the department. So it's the same thing with the risk management. You're asking us to You know, go speak to risk management about that. But I don't think that's a a risk that they want to take because they want to have control over that and protect their client. And their client is the city and the checkbook.
1: But what they have to look at is what is it costing them in things like excessive use of force claims where they get sued? Those are the kinds of things that this organization or these two organizations have said we see that you'll be able to reduce those things. But they that's,
0: can, that's forward thinking. Oh right. yeah. and, and they could see that. That's the thing that everybody yes. always asks, they want numbers. Well, we can't give you those yeah. numbers because yeah. it shows things that we don't want to show.
1: But we can give data.
0: Not the data that they want.
1: Right. right. But
0: yes, you yeah, we can.
1: And you know what's interesting? Because I had a chief one time who said when he first met me, he goes, you know what, Susan? I love this program. He said, because... They're going to trust you because you're good at what you do, obviously. And he says, that's going to keep IAs down in my department. And as long as I was there, that was true. But the minute that it was perceived and, and roadblocks were put up for me to go to that department, I started climbing. Mm-hmm. And I've even had some officers that were uh, 16 years, great, no issues in their careers. Suddenly we have back-to-back Excessive use of force claims, even in policy. Mm-hmm. And I asked that person the question. I said, Do you think if somebody had sent you here after the first, definitely after the second, would there have been another excessive use of force claim? He said, 100% no. And he well, said, Well, those I wouldn't are have the people that, that the we've. Beginning.
0: Yeah, because they haven't come in here and emptied that garbage can, yes. like you say, and they're carrying all that stuff, and one's carrying the other, and then. When you get something like that that happens, and that's what we see with these guys that are, you know, go into even just the, the use of force and they get cleared, mm-hmm. and then it happens again or something like that, and they still haven't dealt with it, that's why you'll see the, that person continue in that, same, in that same place, I think, and they don't get a chance to deal with that. And,
1: well, and families are going to start stepping up and sadly going to have to start going after departments and cities for failure to provide resources. Um, because the reality is, is so much stuff that does happen can be prevented or greatly reduced. We can't save everybody. Um, we can try, but we haven't been. And again, when there is a resource within a department and someone goes and says, hey, this person is struggling and needs help, and the head of that union says there is no help when there is, and they know there is, but they said no, Um somebody has failed to do their job and that's pretty serious in my book cuz let a let a road police officer or deputy get out here and not do something in their job or lie they wind up on a brady list they wind up being disciplined they wind up with that conduct unbecoming and all of those kinds of things it seems like when it's within department and it is about an individual from the personal, what they perceive to be the personal side that's bleeding over into the professional side, hands off. We don't want to touch that, Mm -hmm. but boy, let you get a DUI off duty with your wife, celebrate your anniversary. We don't go, Oh, well that was personal. That was off duty. It didn't have anything to do with us. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Right. (laughs) And that's, that's an issue. And again, We got to start to accept personal and professional in this industry come together. We're still teaching in, I'm not, but others are still teaching in academies, keep personal and professional separate It's leading to all kinds of relationship issues and problems that we don't need to add to it. There's going to be enough issues in this industry. We don't have to compound it with that kind of stuff. And it's time for those things to change. And you're right. It takes a lot of forward thinking, but when a department tells me they had one excessive use of force claim in the last few years, looking back now, that probably could have prevented been prevented from someone coming in here, and that officer was found in policy, but there was an injury, and the city still paid out two million million, one one claim, man, what we charge, if we could have prevented that $2 million from being paid out, it might be worth taking a look at.
0: And the problem with it too is though you don't know how many of those two million dollar claims you have saved because right. it's hard to put a value on that. I know that. Sure. That you have because of things that you know that you've worked through. So it's hard to even put a value on that.
1: It is. And again, it's not about money. Yeah, you know, we gotta pay the bills. And now I can start paying the stress coaches because everybody's been a volunteer, myself for the most part. And now we can actually begin to do it. So We're being told that other equivalents in other states are going to want this. So that's going back to your original question. That's my vision, is to see the, you know, it may never be the Phoenixes and Mesa's and the large agencies, um, but the small departments is where we're seeing a lot of the shootings and stuff going on and the suicides. Sadly, in Alabama, we just had, um, and our team responded yesterday, we had an officer shoot his wife. Um, she was alive last we heard and then killed himself. And you know what we could track it back to a very major, major critical incident that he was the first officer on scene Mm. and nothing was done. Nothing was provided small department, nothing was provided. And now we're having to go in and be completely reactive when we should have been able to do something on the front end.
0: It's, it's amazing to me that here we are in 2022 and that we're still having that kind of problem even with the small agencies especially when there's things available to them yep to be able to do that
1: so it's you know like i said we're we're growing and and minds are being opened i have laughed about since this amrp brought us on and we've put it out linkedin and facebook and everywhere all of a sudden i'm being inundated with people who want to connect want to get involved and and stuff and i'm like wow um you know we're we're not Begging for work. We're here and we want to help everybody that we can. And I think we're going to see uh, a lot more interest all of a sudden now. And that's why we're going to be doing another stress coach certification in a few months. And again, to be a stress coach with us, you have to have done it, been married to it, raised by it, or given birth. And that's for first responders. And we do consider it's really sad to me that, again, here in 2022, that a lot of places in the country don't consider dispatchers first responders and I'm going who gets the first call why are they not good gosh patrol you ain't got a job if we don't have dispatch right and you know and then we take that law enforcement is dispatch all the way through to probation and parole even at the federal level
0: well dispatch is hearing it
1: Yes, and, and not being able to do anything. to them
0: they can't do anything. A lot of times by the time we've got there, even it's calmed down. So.
1: And they don't know the outcome a lot of times either because they move yes. to the next call and the next call and the next right. call. Couldn't do that, John.
2: Well, I'll tell you what. In all honesty, one of the most stressful days I spent in my life was I was injured in a traffic accident uh, on duty. And so they put me in dispatch. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh no that was not who made that decision <laughs> sorry larry it was your fault
1: <laughs> that was pretty stupid if you asked
2: me um, but anyway they put me in dispatch and this poor dispatcher that was um working uh officer gets on and puts out an 1199 call which is in in california that was a uh, 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 officer uh, you know uh, officer involved shooting call and um uh, 1199 shots fired. And I recognized the voice. I knew exactly what he said. And the dispatcher pushed the button and says, unit calling the poor lady. I feel bad. I <laughs> drug her out of the way so I could get in and, and work the radio. But that is probably the, one of the most stressful situations I mean, I, I would have rather been there in the shooting than, than sitting in inside Helplessly. the disbox. Yeah. And I couldn't go yep. and, but I could send everybody in the world. But, um, I mean, that was probably one of the most stressful things. And at that point, I have never appreciated the uh, job those poor dispatchers do more than I did that day.
1: Every cop ought to have to do time in dispatch.
2: No, they shouldn't. It was the most horrible time I'd spent in my life, and I hated it.
1: I just mean even just a week to understand. And dispatch should get out and ride. Two hours. (laughs) And dispatchers should have to get out and ride.
0: We, I, we do do that. Good. They are starting to do that. Now, we've actually got officers working overtime in dispatch because they're so short. short. We actually have, well, call takers because you can't put them on the radio because we can't type that fast. So <laughs> That's true. They, we can take calls. That's and true. <laughs> misspellings aren't as important for the dog barking calls as yeah. they are for the other thing, So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I, I said I, I'm more encouraged than I think I've ever been. And there y'all you guys know there have been times of real discouragement. You can only get walls put up so many times before you start going, am I supposed to be doing this? And again, my faith is a huge part of this. People go, how do you listen to this stuff all the time, all day long? Because this is what God put me in here to do. It's why I work seven days a week. I love what I do. I don't work a day in my life. And, you know, when when a chief will stand beside me and go, I don't know how you do this all the time and thank you for what you do, (laughs) but he still won't let me in the building. Um, I just kind of go, wow, okay, that's a little conflicting. But hey, I appreciate the compliment. And it's a God thing, as Chris and I would say, and and I'll keep doing it as long as I'm breathing. And the Phoenix guys tell me that after I die, they're going to stuff me and put me in my chair with my red man stick. And they're going to record all these different things that I have to give to people.
0: Well, you probably could. Don't you feel like you're saying the same things over and over just to different people? So you probably could. They could record they could. that. Mm-hmm. We could do like they do over at uh, Chuck E. Cheese and we'll just stuff you with the little, <laughs> yeah. do the little robot thing. I said, I stick. have the
1: easiest job in the world and that it really is. It's same type issues, different name, different face, different reasons I got there. But yeah, there is a lot of that. And so it, it, maybe that's something we need to be working on pretty fast.
0: Well, We can just sit here with a button and
1: he needs to see. Yeah. Hey, Joe, he, he needs was involved to in a shooting.
0: Yeah. We got a little matrix where we I can, can hit see it right button. now.
2: That'll be a number
0: 11. <laughs> yeah.
1: And he's Q11. a 11. <laughs> the scary part is y'all are the ones who'd be making the decision and you'd be yanking their chains and doing stuff, whether yeah. it's what they needed or not. Of course, I can be just as sick as y'all can with the humor, which again is something I think the license world needs to learn.
0: Well, you got to uh, be able to
1: use that humor yeah. <laughs> But you know, and that's another point before we wrap this up is that's another issue that administrations need to understand. I'm a body cam fanatic. I think they, they do great things. They protect officers. But one of the most detrimental things those body cams have done is they've taken away officers' ability to use sick humor on difficult scenes because they'll get in trouble for it. And where officers have been able to use sick humor in the past, those things, because we have found studies that say when you can use sick humor, the body sends a message to the brain, this has no power over me. Well, now everything's beginning to build up in the garbage can, not just the children calls where you couldn't use sick humor, but now all of it is starting to build up. So we're seeing officers having issues faster than they would have because of that inability to use that sick humor. And that's, to me, is one of the most detrimental things to the camera. So we either have to have administrations understand that the sick humor they're using, they're not doing it in front of the media or the victim's family. It's a coping mechanism. And just because it's on the body cam, and I know defense attorneys can get all this stuff, and that's a problem, but but we've got to figure out how to make that balance out. Otherwise, it's just going to continue to compound problems.
0: Well, I don't think that you'll ever get to that point because I don't think that the civilian side, not knowing what we go through on a daily basis, would be able to handle some of that. I agree.
2: Uh, I, so, I don't think they're going to be able to handle it
0: either. Yeah, I don't so
1: again, yeah. we have to educate officers then about not using it. So what I have everybody do... Well, that,
0: what we have to educate officers is to make sure they turn their camera off before too. they go into this... Yeah. Of course, you're some
1: a- agencies you're not no. allowed to, but I, I get that. But what I tell them is, then on the personal side, you have to make sure you're doing things like going to see comedians, going to comedy clubs, doing things off duty where you really get to laugh. I was out with some a bunch of cops and their spouses the other night, and and these are people that were there from the very beginning over in Avondale and stuff, and and we sat in this room. There in Olive Garden, and we laughed so hard for so long. I came home. I was exhausted, but the healing that went on just from that, and I told him, I said, I don't know when I've laughed that hard and that long in a few years, and I was rejuvenated and ready to go again the next day. Yeah. And so there's a lot to be said for that. So humor and laughter is a big part. Families need to be a part of that. And again, families reach out to us also. This is, we are not here just for the law enforcement or the firefighter or dispatcher or paramedic. The families are a huge part of the lifestyle. And you need to be in the training that we're doing and you need to be able to reach out because they're the first line of defense. They're the ones who see the early warning signs and they need to know what to look for and then who they can call because calling your spouse's sergeant or lieutenant might not necessarily be the best first call.
0: In fact, as you... He- President of the association, we strongly discourage that. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: (laughs) And so our 855 number that's our crisis line is 855-889-2348. When you hit extension one, um, we don't even have your phone number. The crisis line number actually pops up on my phone or whoever it rolls to. Uh, My cell number is 334-324-3570. I encourage you, if you reach out to me, text me during the daytime, call me at night because I don't hear text. Remember, I'm old. Um, But reach out to us anytime. Um, I don't know if Tom's willing to give his cell as one of our stress coaches or not. Our co-host does.
0: Wow. (laughs) I'm not
1: putting you on the spot.
0: Oh, it's out there. (laughs) I have no problem with that. Go ahead.
1: You give it to him. Do you
0: have it? Go ahead. Don't
1: make me look it up. Give him your number.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but my number is 602-677-4248. And
1: again, he's one of our stress coaches, one of our
0: stress coaches. And I have no problem with anyone calling me anytime to try to get them in the right direction and get them some help.
1: Sure. And so, you know, guys, this has been an honor. I've, been having some sleepless nights I'm wondering what this was gonna look like we were
0: easy on you to be clear because dennis and i had a nice lunch yesterday (laughs) and we thought well (laughs) we do need to keep around let's not offend her yes oh i don't know that
2: y'all could offend me and there's no drawing blood yeah
0: yeah.
1: it would be fun to try to see if you could offend me maybe we'll do another episode well i
0: think that's where dennis and i came to the conclusion that wasn't wise <laughs> <laughs> so, we're not dumb yeah. we're not dumb
1: now when you've been around me enough and long enough to know i can pretty much take all of it yeah, and you've uh
0: made us blush a time or two
1: i have uh but we're just thankful for the audience and again uh, appreciate all that you do as first responders and your families uh, god bless you and thank you for the sacrifices you make the sacrifices the families make and reach out to us anytime, day or night. There's nothing we don't deal with. Um, and if you don't wanna to talk to me, you won't hurt my feelings, I'll get you passed on to somebody else. We don't have the answers, we'll find them. Uh, but we do appreciate, you. God bless you, your families, and this great nation that we live in. And stay tuned, uh, Ace is gonna be coming up with, he's gonna come back in with me for an episode in a couple of weeks. And, uh, so you'll want to be here to hear what he has to say, what he's up to and, uh, how life is good and he's moving on with things with him and his family. And so we're excited about having him back on here and tomthebomb.com will be back in three weeks. Um, so stay tuned and thanks again for listening.